Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom Podcast. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of The Last Symptom. So happy to have you back here with me again this week. Got a lot of good things to talk about, so stick around. We're going to get right into them here in just a minute. Now, I do want to tell you that uh, I'm recording this as a video, and I recorded last week as a video. So if you're interested in not just listening to the podcast, but watching the podcast, uh, you can do that on uh, the official YouTube channel for The Last Symptom, and also on uh, Rumble. You know, Rumble is uh, a, a YouTube competitor. So uh, the videos will be posted to Rumble and to YouTube. And uh, I've got a question I want to ask you here in just a minute. Maybe get your help with something so that maybe I can flush out kind of a, a vision of how I would like to start doing the show. But I just there's a, an element of it that I haven't figured out yet, and I kind of need your help. Before we get into that, I just wanted to ask you how your week's going. What sorts of things have been going on for you? I know that if you're down there in Australia, you guys are emerging from winter and getting ready to go into spring, ain't you? If I'm not mistaken. Here, fall, or autumn as a lot of folks call it, is in full gear now. It took a little bit. I'll tell you what. September was a rough month. It was just too hot. It, September was no different than August. It might have been even hotter. But uh, we're finally into full autumn weather. The trees are changing. Everything's looking nice. It's cool and pretty out there. In fact, I got a fire going in the wood stove behind me right now. All of the trees finally awash in colors of oranges and reds and browns. It's so nice. Temperatures down into the 50s and low 60s during the day and and the high 30s at night now that's uh fahrenheit but if you want to know what that is in celsius that would be uh about 10 degrees celsius to 15.6 degrees celsius during the day and about three degrees celsius at night i don't know how you guys do it that <laughs> that go by celsius um, but that's what it is i know because i asked siri earlier today See, it's it would be nice to have these sorts of interactions and get immediate feedback and find out how, you know, where people are and how things are going for them and that sort of thing. Just sort of have this uh, kind of back and forth. And so with that in mind, I've had it in mind here lately of possibly recording the Last Symptom podcast live every week on Wednesday night. 
That's typically when I record the show. If I could do it on a live stream, what I would do, what I'd like to do, is I'd like to live stream it to both the Last Symptom online community on Locals as well as to YouTube. And it would probably start about, what time is it now? Uh, 9 to 10 o'clock p.m. Uh, that's New York time on Wednesday nights. It's typically when I start recording. And I would just sit down here like this, begin the show, but I would begin it as a live stream. So as I'm actually recording the show, I would like to have the live stream going on uh, at thelastsymptom.locals.com and also uh, on YouTube. And then that would add an extra element to the whole uh, show where I'd actually get to interact live with various people during each week's show and you'd be of course being able to see me record the show now here's the problem I'm having with this I don't have any idea how I could play the pre-recorded disclaimer at the beginning along with the show music then do the show and then close out with the show music the pre-recorded show music I mean besides just taking my phone and holding it up here to the microphone I can't think of how I could logistically make that happen and uh, I don't think the quality of holding up my phone to the microphone would be that great so that's why I thought that I would mention this idea to you folks and if there's anybody out there in last symptom land who has a, a solution for this that won't cost me a whole lot of money you know I won't have to buy any specialized equipment or expensive specialized software or anything like that if you've got a solution I would love for you to let me know uh, so once again the idea is this just like the show started today starts with the pre-recorded disclaimer then the show music and then my voice comes in while the music's playing is is there a way I can do that on my laptop if I if there is I'd love to have you folks give me uh, some ideas about how I could practically and easily do that do you remember not long ago back I think back at the beginning of the summer uh, this past summer I had announced firm re, a, a firm release schedule for all the work that I do, all the different aspects of the work I do. So the orange slices, which are the condensed video insights that I do, I had announced that those would begin appearing every day at 6 a.m. And I was doing those every day for the large part of a year. Also, the show, I announced that it, it would publish at a set time every week and um, everything else also I had on a very firm schedule I want to tell you that I did that for a long time and do you know what I learned I learned that my audience does not respond well to a firm schedule that's true my audience does not respond well to a firm schedule I get more interaction and more interest when things are loose and do not adhere to a firm schedule. Uh, 
I mean, within reason, you know, like I still publish the this podcast, for example, on Thursdays. But as far as it publishing at a fixed set time every Thursday, um, it's been better for the last symptom for me to just publish it any time around Wednesday night and Thursday. Same thing with the orange slices. People were taking the orange slices for granted. They were taking it for granted that at 6 o'clock in the morning, New York time, that there was going to be one of these condensed video insights published to the last symptom community on locals. Now, when it's sporadic and there is no set day or time for the orange slices, they do better. I just thought that was interesting. Uh, when I have meetings with uh, the folks at locals, you know, they're talking about how a lot of their communities, a lot of their creators work on fixed schedules. and Or they, for example, uh, when they're going to do a live stream, they'll announce like an hour ahead of time that they're going to do a live stream. I've tested that for my group. Don't work. I get much better turnout when I make no announcement ahead of time whatsoever. I just do it. That's when people show show up. So I don't know about how this will would turn out. You know, me doing a, a live show, a live video show, uh, a live stream every single week of this show. But I'm willing to try it. And of course, I wouldn't set a set a specific time. I would just say probably sometime Wednesday evenings is when I'll be recording this thing and then people who are available can show up those who aren't available don't have to show up they can listen to the show later just as they've been used to doing on their podcast of choice but anyway this show and last week's show is available as a video I'm looking at myself on the video right now what a handsome devil some topics we're going to talk about today in today's show I'm going to go over some last symptom terminology with you. You know, for example, we often talk about emotional unhealth and we talk about emotional disorder. What's the difference? Things like that. Wouldn't you like to know? Uh, I'm going to just do kind of a small follow-up to the uh, suicide episode. Just something that I, I wish that I had included in that show that I didn't. So I'm going to talk about that here today. I'm going to talk about the Locals group a little bit. The Last Symptom at Locals.com. I'm sorry, The Last Symptom.locals.com. And uh, some news that's come, uh, that was released this week in regards to that platform. Good news, by the way. Have you ever worried that as you start to get better, as you start to recover and gain true emotional health, and you begin to allow people to see the real you. Have you ever worried that maybe they won't like that person? That maybe you won't like that person? What about that? Well, we'll talk about that a little bit today. Uh, I want to tell you about my daughter and a story about asparagus and uh, some lessons we can learn from that. I want to talk about treating children as people and to close out the show, i got a campfire story for you today. I'm going to tell you about the time that I woke up 
kissing my buddy Joe yeah I woke up one morning kissing my good buddy Joe and it freaked us both out I'll tell you I'll tell you the circumstances around that uh, but before we get into all that I got some announcements for you you know the routine I want to tell you about my website full of free resources it's at the the last symptom dot com that's home base for everything and uh, there's some free resources plenty of free free resources there that I'd love for you to take take advantage of if you like what I'm doing and my work has helped you in some way and you'd like to support me you can uh, provide me a donation from the site there and you know I got a some really nice donations here in the past couple weeks I hope those folks are listening I hope that they know how much I appreciate that and how much that supports my work really goes a long way so if donating is something that you're interested in you can do that there at thelastsymptom.com got a couple of modest paid resources at thelastsymptom.com you can pay for my time to have one-on-one phone conversations with me one-on-one zoom video conversations with me and probably most important the last symptom fundamentals course it's pre-recorded it's a two-week intensive course basically I just took every single fundamentally important thing that I could think of from my own authentic recovery from borderline personality disorder over the course of seven years I just took every single element of that every single thing that I spent those years adjusting my perspectives on and meditating on and thinking about and and using to then approach life differently and I've just stuffed it into a like a two-week course and I've providing it to you so that hopefully I can cut help cut uh, your recovery down time down from possibly you know seven ten fifteen twenty years and hopefully narrow that down to a much shorter period of time Uh, I have a a last symptom follower Uh, she managed her authentic recovery in about two years once she discovered the last symptom that's a pretty good improvement wouldn't you say from the seven years it took me crunching all that down sharing it with other people so that they don't have to go through and waste all their time uh, with these uh, mis- misinformation and that sort of thing just be able to focus on what really is important from seven years to being able to do it in two years that's quite an accomplishment I'm very proud of her uh, let's see here of course there's the my the last symptom social uh, online community and uh, we would love to have you join us there that's at thelastsymptom.locals.com locals by the way is spelled l-o-c-a-l-s so thelastsymptom.locals.com that's where all the fun's happening these days that's where i'm interacting with uh, all of my last symptom family so uh, we would love for you to be a part of that family why don't you join us over there we're not on i don't do anything on facebook no more i have a presence there it's the old group it's it sits stagnant uh we would like to see you over at the the lively and happening place and that's at the last locals.com all right let's get into the first part of our discussion today and let's discuss some of the terminology that i use 
in my work with the last symptom and uh, hopefully this will help prevent misunderstandings or uh, misconceptions moving forward you know if you're new to my work this would be great for you if you've been with my work for a while maybe you, you can use these refinements to uh, think back to certain conversations we've had and uh, fine-tune your understanding of what it was I was truly the message I was truly trying to get across the last symptom terminology the cause number one the cause of emotional disorders this is not just the cause of borderline personality disorder this is the cause of all emotional disorders so when I talk about the cause the cause of these things what am I referring to I'm referring to the subtle inappropriate attitudes attitudes that our emotional teachers and for most of us that means our parents live with regarding the nature of feelings and the nature of feelings worth let me say that again the cause of emotional disorders including borderline personality disorder the cause of all that where that was born inside of you where the thing that initiated all that is the subtle inappropriate attitudes that our emotional teachers live with regarding the very nature of feelings and their worth now <clears throat> it's true that many more things are involved but remember we're not talking about the entirety of, of everything that's involved we're talking about the cause of where th that entirety springs from right so it, it, it originates with our emotional teachers that is our parents themselves living with subtly inappropriate attitudes about the nature of feelings not just our feelings but their feelings too and everybody's feelings the very nature of what feelings are uh, their worth where that worth comes from the nature of that and all of that this is the origin of everything from their springs uh, all the other things that involve emotional uh, disorder for example I often say that uh, that emotional disorder is well we'll talk about it here in a second I believe hang on a second yeah so we'll talk about what emotional disorder is here in a minute so let's just hold off on that for a second okay so now we've discussed the cause that's number one uh, what is when I talk about the underlying problem so I say all right you're living with an emotional disorder and I make reference to the underlying problem now remember this is different than the cause we are described what the cause is the cause is our parents or our, our emotional teachers living with subtly inappropriate attitudes about feelings the nature of feelings so when I'm talking about somebody who has an emotional disorder and I'm talking about the underlying problem now what am I talking about when I discuss the underlying problem of emotional disorder what I'm discussing are the two distorted core beliefs that we as children 
adopt from our emotional teachers. So they live with these unhealthy perspectives. We're observing them and their attitudes, and from their attitudes, we're, we're gaining an education about life, right? And so from that education, what we're observing from their attitudes, we adopt two distorted core beliefs. And we carry those distorted core beliefs into adulthood uh, unknowingly, unconsciously. What I'm saying is we haven't sat down and said, okay, so from my parents' attitudes, and by the way, my parents' attitudes is this and this and this. See, we don't do that consciously. But it's all unconscious. Children are very intuitive. They observe their parents. They they draw conclusions from their parents' attitudes. And this helps them shape their certainties, their unshakable certainties about life. From this, they adopt two distorted core beliefs, and that's the next terminology we're going to discuss here. When I talk about the two distorted core beliefs, what's that? The two distorted core beliefs, you'll hear me referring to them as different things. Sometimes I talk about them as the two distorted core beliefs. Other times I refer to them as uh, the two primary underlying misconceptions or misperceptions about feelings, self, and life that people live with. I also talk about it as being an emotional algorithm, right? It's the, the underlying belief system or understanding of the nature of feelings, self, and life that people live with. It's, it works as an emotional algorithm. The way that it controls a person, it determines a person's perspectives and behaviors and stuff like that is uh, uncanny. It's like computer programming. So when I'm discussing these two distorted core beliefs or this emotional algorithm or these fundamental misperceptions about the nature of feeling self and life, it's these two things. It's the unconscious belief that my feelings are inherently irrelevant and shameful devoid of inherent worth number one and the second distorted core belief if that's true for my feelings it's true for me too as a person as an individual so did you get that the two distorted core beliefs my feelings are inherently irrelevant and shameful devoid of inherent worth or value number two and so am I so all of this is based on the erroneous understanding that in order to have value something external has to grant everything value now it's true for some things like for example a car if you're going to go buy a car uh, the price of that car is dependent on how new it is how many people want it um, and other things of this nature so it gains it gets its value from all these external things does it run right if it doesn't run uh, it's got very low value now there might be people who say I'll, I'll buy that car anyway and I'll go fix it up but still the person isn't you can see that the value of the worth of the car still is dependent on external factors it's all external and that's not true 
for our feelings or uh, or the nature of self either you know the, the nature of being a person human being value doesn't come from external things it comes from what you are you're a human being it so your value is an inherent aspect of what you are um, not too long ago I think it was an orange slice I think I was talking about bananas maybe it was on the show <clears throat> can a banana have value just because it's a banana sure it can it has nutritional value you know inherent to being a banana is that it's sustenance it contains nutritional value um, the, it doesn't matter if uh, you don't personally like bananas and it don't matter if nobody on earth likes bananas I'll, I'll give you a good example of this uh, how many of you are out there eating acorns tonight how many how many acorns have you eaten this week do you know that every species of acorn is completely edible and nutritious and good for you did you know that well, not a lot of us are eating acorns. Now, I know that in Spain, uh, they they do prepare them and, and serve them. Um, maybe some other places. I know that the American Indian, uh, of course, used the uh, acorns for a variety of things in their diet, uh, especially the Western American Indian, like North Ca- uh, California, would use... Um, acorns extensively so in most diets you know there's some starch right uh some carbohydrate and starch and um in a lot of cultures the the potato fills that part of the diet Uh, not true for the american indian out west out in the northwest uh their acorns replaced the uh the uh, potato part of the diet for them by the way, somebody was asking me the other day, do we Appalachians call tomatoes tomatoes? And I said, we do. But, you know, we're when we're talking amongst ourselves, uh, usually we shorten it to maters. Hand me a mater. Or, to, or tomatoes, maters. Uh, and we call uh, potatoes taters. So <laughs> uh, she got a real kick out of that. She, she, the person asked me that was from Nigeria. <laughs> so she, oh, I'll tell you how that conversation came about. I was telling her, this was in a live chat on the Last Symptom Locals group that I try to do at least once a week, by the way. And uh, I was explaining that uh, in Appalachia, I grew up calling bell peppers. You know what a bell pepper is? I grew up calling bell peppers uh, mangoes. Mangoes. So for the first 20 years of my life, over 20 years of my life, uh, for me, a bell pepper was a mango. That, that's what we call them. That's what the old timers here still call them. I had a buddy dropped off, dropped off some mangoes from his, or <laughs> bell peppers from his garden for me um, over the summer. And when he dropped them off, he said, hey, I brought you some mangoes. And <clears throat> so it's still commonly called that where I'm at. And she just couldn't get over that. Um, she wanted to know what, what we call mangoes well i never saw a mango i didn't see a mango until you know a mango as most of the world calls a mango uh, i didn't see a mango 
until I was in my mid-20s, almost 30. I don't think I even tried a mango until I was almost 30. So you got to understand that in the Appalachian region, the mountain people, we just we did not have access to man- to what the, most of the world calls mangoes for us uh, bell peppers were mangoes and I actually just remembered I have another funny story about that when I was dating my ex-wife Diana I was living in an apartment and uh, we were living apart so we were dating long distance she called me to find out if I was eating healthy and everything she's kind of looking up on me she uh, asked me to open up my fridge and tell her what I had inside my fridge. She was worried that I wasn't taking care of myself. So I opened up the fridge and I saw mangoes there, bell peppers. And uh, I could not remember the name, the the city name, you know, uh, what city folk call mangoes. And I'm looking there, I knew she wouldn't understand me she said well, what do you got in your fridge and I'm talking to her on the phone I said um well I've got this and I got that and I got I got this other thing uh I'm trying to think of the name what what most people call this thing and I said uh I can't remember the name of this thing it's called uh oh you know it's it's like green and it's like a pepper and it's shaped like a bell and she goes a bell pepper <laughs> I was that close to getting it on my own. <clears throat> but yeah, that's what we call bell peppers mangoes. Anywho, back to uh, last symptom terminology. We've discussed, number one, the cause of emotional disorders. Number two, the underlying problem uh, of emotional disorders. Number three, we discussed the two distorted core beliefs. Number four, what is an emotional disorder? All right, that's kind of important, right, to establish. An emotional disorder is the naturally resultant disharmony that occurs from living with subtle misperceptions about the true nature of feelings, self, and life. So like a person who <clears throat> misunderstands the nature of traffic lights the person that person driving a car misunderstanding even subtly the nature of traffic lights how they work what they mean these sorts of things will inappropriately even unintentionally but inappropriately create chaos around himself or herself for others right and why is that it's because this person is not working harmoniously with his or her surroundings, the laws and principles guiding everything around them. They're working contrary to it. So think about your emotional teachers. Their whole lives have been uh, disordered because of exactly that. They live with inappropriate attitudes regarding the nature of feeling self and life so everything in life has been a struggle for them that's why they're not happy that's why their family life their relationships their job relationships uh, everything's kind of chaotic and and hard it's because when a person 
misunderstands the very nature of the things that make up every you know a really important aspect of every second of our lives and you misunderstand those things those fundamental things it means your life is going to be in conflict with those things it's going to show up uh, as disorder you know I don't know if you've thought about that but when we talk about emotional disorder we are talking about literal disorder the opposite of order right you've probably heard that term emotional disorder and it probably just went right over you it's just a title right it's just a label it's not just a label it's describing literally what you're seeing you're seeing disharmonious that is disorder a disharmonious approach with life number five what is mental health mental illness so we've already discussed emotional disorder what is mental health or mental illness well the professional community as a whole lies to you about this they don't they don't educate the public properly about this um, if you're not following Russell Brand on YouTube you're missing out Russell Brand is um, one of the most intelligent people on the internet that I've discovered so far I love hearing what he has to say now here's the qualification for me to, to uh, respect a person for me to respect a person on the internet not that they're the smartest per se but that they are emotionally and uh, intellectually honest that they are interested in emotional and intellectual honesty so you'll notice that a person like that is not dogmatic about very many things because uh, they're not interested in being right they're interested in understanding a thing for real and then they have an open mind and they're really uh, curious you know they, they explore different ideas and stuff like that so that they can really discover a truth and settle on it you know but until they reach that point they're kind of their mind is kind of open and that's Russell Brand he's an extremely intelligent person and if you folks ever think that I'm intelligent you know I don't think I'm particularly that I don't, I don't think I'm a genius or anything like that but if if you admire me at times for certain insights that I have or certain intelligence that I might demonstrate um, you know it's because I, I choose the things that I choose to feed myself on and the people that I admire are people that I recognize have these qualities. So, just like you may listen to this show because you like that to be, you know, to be around that sort of uh, thinking or that sort of um, intellect, uh, you know. That's that's the type of people I look at. I search for myself too to feed my mind on, and to expose myself to, and to uh, listen to, and and uh, enjoy thoughtful discussions from. You know, so 
there's him uh, I was going to make a list in this show of other people that I really admire and I didn't get to make that list but I'll tell you Russell Brand is, a, is one of the people at the top of the list uh, I really like listening to uh, uh, Scott Adams in fact it was because I was listening to Scott Adams that I started my community on locals because he had moved to locals and he was talking about how great it was and I, you know I tried it out for a while and <clears throat> followed him for a little bit and I said yeah yeah this is nice this is something good for me and for the last cent of work so it's because you know I exposed myself to these other and you got to keep in mind I don't agree with everything Scott Adams says by the way maybe 50 percent but when he has something insightful when he really shares something that I find insightful it's not just a little bit insightful it's a lot insightful and his whole thing is uh, persuasion He's a trained hypnotist, uh, studied hypnotism for a long time. And so in that regard, you know, a lot of what he talks about is along the same vein of the types of things I talk about where we're discussing human psychology, right? Um, and uh, he, he's, a, he's a bright guy. He's a bright guy that has a lot of good things to share. Uh, Russell Brand probably tops Scott Adams as far as just analysis goes uh, and I'm going to tell you a second how what's the, what this all has to do with mental health and mental illness uh, apparently Russell Brand was uh, an addict or uh, was suffering from his own emotional unhealth or emotional disorder and, and he's recovered or in recovery I guess I guess he considers himself in recovery from substance abuse but he, uh, I saw a video from him today on YouTube. No, it was actually it was on Rumble. Oh, I just got a notice here on my phone that Houston just won Game Two of the World Series. Astros beat the Braves seven to two. The Braves won yesterday, so we're on to Game Three, ladies and gentlemen. You haven't heard me talking too much about the World Series, but I'm still keeping up with it. Anyway, I saw a video earlier today on Rumble. Russell Brand was talking about um, he had just gotten a, his purple belt, I think purple belt, in um, jiu-jitsu. And he started talking about all the lessons that he has learned from studying jiu-jitsu. For my audience, that video would be very good. I would recommend it for sure. You could get, you yourself could get a lot of benefits from Russell Brand and him talking about jujitsu and the effect that it has had on him as far as changing as a person and his perspectives fundamentally changing on things. So you might want to look that up. The jujitsu, uh, Russell Brand, go to his channel and just find the video where he's talking about jujitsu. I don't think it's even two weeks old. Uh, but in that video, he talked about mental health and mental illness. He talked about his mental health. And there's a thing that he's got wrong. So, although I can um, really, really draw on Russell Brand, a lot of things Russell Brand says and gain a lot of insights from just listening to him talk, he's so insightful. There are some things 
that he's still educated wrong about as far as emotional health goes. You might be a person like this, confusing emotional health for mental health, right? Because the professional community does not help in this regard. What is mental health or mental illness, and what is the difference between that and emotional health or emotional disorder? Well, listen closely. This is what emotional health or, or I'm sorry, this is what mental health or mental illness is. When you're talking, anytime anybody's talking about mental health or mental illness, what they're talking about, literally, is a malfunctioning brain. That's mental health. Mental health, mental illness, is when the brain itself is malfunctioning. It's, it, re, it refers to the functioning of your mental capacities, your brain. Borderline personality disorder and other emotional disorders are not related to mental health. They're not mental illnesses, despite the professional community's totally false and incompetent teachings otherwise. You can't reason yourself out of a mental illness because the mental faculties themselves, the thing that you rely on to reason, is not working properly. On the other hand, an emotional disorder, do you remember what we said that is? It's simply living with misunderstandings, learned misunderstandings about the nature of feelings, self, and life. It's no different than a person being taught to read traffic lights incorrectly and then they go out into the world and it's chaotic. That's emotional disorder. There, there's nothing wrong with their mental capacities. Their brains work in the way it's meant to work. They learned perfectly well. It's just that they had really lousy teachers. See, that, that is not an example of your brain malfunctioning. So when you hear the professional community and other people like, you know, even in that Russell Brand video, um, yeah, I won't hold it against him because who's he learning from? He's learning from the professional community, right? So he's, he's working with the understanding that his emotional health and his emotional disorder is mental in nature. It's not. Mental health, mental illness relates to malfunctioning brain. You can't reason yourself out of a mental health or mental illness. That require that is a physical problem that requires probably medication. It might require other things. You might have a freaking brain tumor. You know, you might need that removed. Uh, so that's that's the uh, the last symptom clarification on that. Number six triggers. <laughs> Boy, hearing a lot about triggers today, aren't you? Triggers uh, is a completely false and unhealthy lie perpetuated by the professional community. Again, and I, I feel like I have to say, I say it all the time, but I feel like I have to say it anyway. <clears throat> when I am criticizing the professional community as a group, I'm not, I'm not criticizing every single member of that group. I myself have members of that group to thank 
for finally getting the insights, the, the fundamental insights that I then build off of in my own recovery. So I'm not demonizing an entire, uh, you know, every single member in that community. When I criticize the community, I'm, I'm criticizing them as a whole, as a community. I uh, acknowledge and, and celebrate the fact that there are really insightful members within that community. You just have to search hard and find them. Triggers. A completely false and unhealthy lie perpetuated by the professional community that keeps people as powerless, pathetic slaves to their external surroundings. The concept of triggers asserts that external things can be responsible for what we ourselves think, feel, and do. It's a lie. It's a destructive, unhealthy, terrible lie that only serves to keep people unhealthy. What's the truth uh, about triggers? So if, if external things can't be responsible for what we ourselves think, feel, and do, then what's the opposite truth? I'll tell you about that in a second. It's, it's number seven. It's the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. The law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. And it goes like this. Adult free agents possess individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority for everything involving themselves as individuals. So it's like a circle around our feet in the sand. Everything within that circle or that bubble, you know, I originally I talked about it as a circle around our feet, but I realized that's not all-encompassing enough. So then I started imagining it like a like a bubble around us. So if there are almost 7 billion people on the earth, adults, all right, so there's probably not 7 billion adults. There's probably, I don't know, 5 billion adults. Uh, but if there's 5 billion adults, adult human beings walking around on the earth, that's 5 billion bubbles, right? And... Each one of those bubbles contains that individual's inherent individual rights, responsibility, and authority. So that's where our power and responsibility exists within that bubble, and, and it doesn't exist anywhere outside of it, you know, in regards to other people who possess these same individual rights, responsibility, and authority themselves. Um, <clears throat> Because it's inherent, it means it can't be granted to you, it can't be taken away. It's like your worth as a person, you know, it's because you're a person. Well, when you become an adult free agent, you just do possess individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. So just like everything within that bubble represents our power, our, our power, our authority, nothing outside of that circle possesses inherent rights, responsibility, and authority over us. So, therefore, we ourselves are responsible for everything we think, feel, and do. 
In other words, blaming somebody else for what we're thinking, feeling, or doing is an unhealthy contradiction of the reality that you live in. So it completely uh, pulls the rug out from under the concept of triggers, right? Think of yourself as a self-contained machine. And as such, every every feeling that you feel, you, you're generating that. What are you generating that from? From what you're thinking about. Because there's no feeling that is not preceded by a thought. Every single thing you feel has to be preceded by a thought. Who's creating the thought? You are. So you might be reacting to something and say, well, it's making me mad. But that is not making you mad. What you're doing is you're taking it. You're taking it inside yourself and you're using it to make yourself mad. But that thing doesn't have power over you. It's ridiculous for you to give it power over you or to uh, perceive it as having power over you because that's not the reality you're, de- you're dealing with, right? The reason why it triggers is so destructive is because, like I say, it keeps people enslaved to external things that are entirely out of their control. No progress can be made with that type of, of a thinking system or a belief system on the other hand, once you realize that you yourself are creating those feelings, you, your thinking is creating those feelings. You yourself are choosing these behaviors. Once you realize that, then you begin to get control. But you will never get control as long as you are inappropriately crediting something external with having that sort of power and authority over your thoughts, feelings, and actions. Number eight, emotional unhealth. So we talked about emotional disorder. We detailed that. Emotional unhealth, what's that? Well, it's not... The the difference between emotional unhealth and emotional disorder... Remember what I said emotional disorder is? It's created from that emotional algorithm we talked about, or those two distorted core beliefs. It can be analyzed, it can be be observed, and because of the patterns that it creates, it can be identified as an emotional disorder. That's why you've got names like borderline personality disorder and uh, narcissistic personality disorder and everything. They fit a, a very predictable and recognizable pattern. Emotional unhealth, on the other hand, is not necessarily being born from the two distorted core beliefs that we talked about. Emotional unhealth is just unhealth. It's any type of thinking, attitude, or behavior that works contrary to emotional harmony with life. So it's not necessarily built upon this emotional algorithm so that you can definitely predict how a person's going to react in certain situations or what they're thinking or feeling and those sorts of things. It's anything. It's any type of thinking, attitude, or behavior that's working contrary to emotional health. So it doesn't always involve emotional disorder specifically. Example I give is passive-aggressive communication behavior styles. You know, this uh, communication behavior style approach with others, it's unquestionably unhealthy. But 
it's not always directly rooted in fundamental misperceptions about the nature of feelings, self, and life. It can just be a learned behavior. So, those are some of the uh, last symptom term. That's some of the last symptom terminology I want to share with you. Um, as kind of a brief follow-up to the suicide episode, just a couple episodes back, what I wanted to follow up and say is that, you know, I, I told you it's, it's your responsibility if you're feeling, if you're having these suicidal ideations, instead of reaching out to me, instead of reaching out to your friend Joe, instead of reaching out to whoever, to take advantage of the professional resources. And I got to thinking about that and my own experience with dealing with those folks and I wanted to say that I know that it can be frustrating when you're in that kind of state um, you're real you're really looking for genuineness aren't you you're you're looking for you're looking for genuineness in another person and you often times don't find it immediately when you reach out to these professional groups and I understand that it doesn't mean you should stop it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it and doesn't mean you should give up you got to keep in mind and be reasonable that these folks it's a first of all it's a very emotionally taxing job for them to have also we don't know i don't know how many calls like that they're getting every day uh, but i would imagine probably depending on the areas um, hundreds of people uh, calling in and the same people doing their best to help but it's emotionally exhausting it's taxing think about have you ever worked in a factory I have where it's just repetitive and repetitive and repetitive and you start off full of zeal you know you're with pride in your work and you're really wanting to do it right but what happens after you're there for three weeks a month and you're doing repetitive things, right? It's human nature to begin to, I don't want to say grow calloused, but grow calloused. Sort of um, lumping the whole experience, all the calls into the same type of call. Uh, you know, I worked in a fa- fact, uh, cabinet making factory for for just a short time maybe six months it wasn't my i couldn't deal with it but that's what i remember doing the exact same repetitive thing all day long with these cabinets at first i found it kind of interesting but it didn't stay interesting for very long it just got repetitive and pretty soon i stopped seeing these cabinets as individual cabinets to me it was just a cabinet you know it was just the same cabinet every one that come down the line so <clears throat> this doesn't just apply to people who are feeling suicidal or having suicidal ideation. What I want to tell you is don't give up. Be fair to these people. Give them the benefit of the doubt that they really do care, but they're just people and they have limits, right? As people, they're they're doing this and um, it's it's extremely exhausting to taxing emotionally. Um, and it can be hard to find that person who you feel makes a genuine connection with you that's not an excuse to stop 
and it ain't an excuse to give up you need to keep calling if the first person that you hook you I don't want to say hook up with but the first person that you connect with um, you don't feel like you're getting what you need from them that that genuine that genuineness that sincerity that connection keep keep reaching out to more people don't give up after the first person you know earlier I said that uh, I was, when I criticize the professional community as a group, it's the them as a group that I'm criticizing. Does that mean that you shouldn't go find a, a good therapist? No, it just means you have to. You're going to have to try harder than just first call you make. You know, um, I know from personal experience that for me, first call I made, that was the person I expected to to answer all my questions and be able to save me um, it was my mistake in thinking that it was my mistake in not understanding the reality of that reality so it's important for all of you if you're looking for a therapist if you're trying to find somebody a, one of these professional groups to help you with this suicidal ideation or whatever uh, t- to think or, or to be dead set on the idea that the very first person you call is it is the wrong attitude to have. The, the proper attitude is if the first person isn't a good fit, I'll just keep, keep going until I find the right person. Barnett says that it's, I got to keep working. Got to keep looking for that person. They're out there. They are out there. But you got to keep looking for them. That's your responsibility to do that. So I just wanted to throw that in there for kind of as a addendum to uh, the suicide conversation. And it doesn't just apply to suicide again. It applies to anybody looking for somebody. Now, <clears throat> I've talked about thelastsymptom.locals.com. And what a great move that was for my work to move from Facebook over to Locals. Now, here's what I want to say about that some news this week is that uh, Locals has just merged with um, Rumble. Maybe you've heard of Rumble, maybe you you haven't. But uh, Rumble is a YouTube competitor. I don't have a lot of experience with Rumble. I just started uploading to Rumble this week. You know, it's... uh, not quite as refined as YouTube but I think that it holds a lot of potential so Locals and Rumble they just merged, now here's the thing about it Um, this is a really positive thing as far as um, Locals goes because now there's this great big extensive infrastructure that uh, Locals is going to benefit from, I already think Locals is the, the very best online community platform that exists. I, I love it. And, you know, I've only been on there since like the beginning of the year. And um, it's just been improvement after improvement after improvement. They reach out to me. They have personal meetings with me. You know, the, the, the people who run locals reach out to me to have personal meetings with me, one-on-one meetings with me. They want to know about my feedback. They want to offer suggestions and, and things of that nature. It's not anything that I would ever get from 
uh, Facebook. Uh, another thing is that the kind of the structure, the way that locals are set up, just the very nature of it, keeps out the riffraff. The people in the last symptom community on locals, top rate people, the things they contribute is of value. Um, there's nobody there just playing around. You know, it's it's like there's nobody there who who's not taking things seriously. Everybody on the locals, um, the last symptom locals community, they're bringing things of real value to the table, and it's just the nature of the platform. Uh, locals is located in Miami, Florida, at the headquarters. And Rumble, up until now, has been in Canada, but they're moving to Florida. Uh, the Locals CEO, you know, the, the CEO of Locals up till now, will remain the CEO of Locals. And the creator of Locals is going to continue as a salary employee of Locals. So he's going to help sh- continue to shape the direction that Locals goes in. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm just real happy with it. And... Uh, that guy's excited about the merger with Rumble, and so I have reason to believe that um, this is going to be a real good thing for the last symptom, you know, and the last symptom community. So, if you're not familiar with Rumble, and I'm going to warn you, um, Rumble seems to me revolves around an awful lot of politics you know like a lot of conservative politicians are on rumble i try to distance myself from politics as much as possible while at the same time taking advantage of these very good opportunities Um, you know for example when i went to locals i didn't say well because everybody's talking about politics there i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go there no, I, I could see that the Locals platform was solid, clean, very user-friendly, had a lot of great uh, features. And, you know, at the risk of <clears throat> going to a place where people might think it was politically motivated, I did it anyway because I could see that this platform just offered a lot of improvements over the old Facebook group. So um, I'm glad I did it. And as Locals has grown, it's gotten the reputation as not just being a hub for certain political ideologies, but as just being a really good platform. So um, I feel the same way about Rumble. I think that as it grows, it also will begin to expand the the number of topics and topics. you know sources of interest russell brand uh, russell is that his name russell brand is also on rumble all right so and he's by no means a conservative ideologue so uh yeah uh, that's why i admire him he, he's a thinker he's he's intellectually and emotionally honest and he's smart and i like to hear what he has to say about things uh, same thing with uh, Scott Adams, but I don't think Scott Adams is on Rumble. Anyway, if you'd like to re- uh, look up Rumble, they've got an app and everything. Uh, the Last Symptom has a, a a channel there now, so you can subscribe to the Last Symptom channel on Rumble. 
hopefully on YouTube as well. Hopefully you'll join us on Locals, thelastsymptom.locals.com. The reason I've started uploading these videos to Rumble is because of this merger. I figure there's going to be a lot of uh, collaboration and stuff, and it would probably be to my benefit and the long-term benefit of The Last Symptom to uh, get that started now on the ground floor. The evolution period from being the fake unhealthy you to being the healthy, real you. Have you ever worried about, man, I'm so used to being a, an actor around other people. What's going to happen when I start just being myself? They're going to think, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you, know, you always used to be so happy and cheerful or whatever. And now you're not bouncing off walls anymore so what's going on well that happened to me my very good friend's name is Jeff we've been friends since I was a kid and um, when I get around him I always put on this act of being like this really adventurous guy uh, comical, everything's funny, everything's a joke. Um, I'm not scared of anything, I'm willing to take any risk, real playful, all this stuff. So I remember, no matter how I felt, putting on this show for him all the time, every time I was around him. And I remember him saying to me, near the end of my authentic recovery, he said to me, You know, I miss the old Brian. That guy was always excited and, you know, high energy. And I remember thinking, I didn't say this to him, but I remember thinking, yeah, but that wasn't the real me. That was an act. It was an act I was putting on every time I was around you. And it was exhausting to maintain that all of the time. So he and I obviously are still, you know, very, very good friends, almost best friends, I'd say. But, you know, where I'm from, you can have like 10 best friends. So, <laughs> so he's one of my best friends. There was a period of him becoming accustomed to the real me. We had to go through that. And, <clears throat> you know, it, the real me was somebody he had never got to meet before. I had never got to to be that guy before, the real me. So there was this period of adjustment of him going from, I miss the old Brian, this high, excited and high energy guy, to the real me, who one day, you know, I'm high energy, next day I'm laid back. It's just... uh, I'm not playing a role no more. But I think that now he'd tell you that he likes knowing the real healthy me much, much better. The real me, the healthy me, for example, no longer gets furious over minor disagreements. Oh, if he dis, if he... If he thought peanut butter was better than jelly, oh, and I disagreed with that, we would get into 
you know, big fight over that. I mean, it, I would get angry over any minor disagreement like that. So now the real me, the healthy me, I no longer get furious over people's opinions. It, you know, it's so subjective. An opinion is so subjective. Oh, you think peanut butter's better? Well, then that, that reveals something to me about you that allows me to know you even better. I celebrate that now. Never used to. I don't insist on being quote-unquote right every time we talk about things that are matters of opinion. I'm quick to admit that I might, that, you know, your opinion might have some greater merit than even mine does. I'm quick, quick to admit that when I might be wrong. I'm not as competitive with him, and I enjoy doing things like playing sports or card games simply for the enjoyment of the time I get to spend with him. He can win every game, and I might get frustrated at that, but uh, the, my real reason for being there is not to win. It's just the enjoyment of being there with my friend, and I actually get enjoyment from seeing him win time after time. I'm much more laid back and natural. I'm not worried about appearing cool, you know, 24 hours a day. I'm less judgmental toward him and his life. I don't poke my head into his life beyond what he offers me. The list goes on and on. You know, I enjoy my friendship with him much, much more because it's no longer exhausting to maintain this artificial artificial likable facade for every second that he's around me it used to be like a literal switch that I'd, I'd have to turn on every time he was around and it was exhausting and because I did that for so many years do you know what happened I became obligated to play that role every time I was around him no matter how I felt if I felt tired or angry or bothered or sad and he showed up it didn't matter how I felt I had to click on that switch and go into you know the tap dance roll hello my mother hello my father because I was playing a role you know it's, it's weird it's like an actor with a contractual obligation to play a role for a theater every time the curtains go up so the only people who did not gradually come to accept the new you know I say new but it wasn't the new me it was just the real me were people who were, were unhealthy themselves and um, the reason why they didn't like the real me is because before uh, they were probably taking advantage of me they were taking advantage of me being unhealthy so once I put an end to that you can see why they didn't suddenly they didn't like the real me that I wasn't there to for them to take advantage of no more and um, so this worrying about oh they won't like me anymore what are you talking about you know if you're th if you're worried about oh you know if I'm the real me if I if I stop this facade and I start being the real me, they're not going to like me anymore. What are you talking about? They don't like you now. They don't like you now. They, they like the character you're playing, 
but they don't like you. You want them to like you. And if they don't like you, you don't need them. Let them, let them go. It's like uh, Bruce Willis. <laughs> Can you imagine Bruce Willis working all day as a cop in the movies? Coming home, and the only way he can get people to like him is if he continues playing that cop. Boy, that get wouldn't that get exhausting? It does get exhausting. Don't be like, don't be like some like a Bruce Willis stuck in the role of a an action cop, even in his personal life. That's just sad. All right, here's Eloise, my daughter, and the asparagus story. I want to tell the story to illustrate how powerful we are over adjusting our perspectives on a thing. You know, I've told you that uh, we, we not only have the power to choose what we will continue to think about, what we will continue to think about, but we also have complete power over how we will choose, uh, choosing how we will think about a thing, right? And get real results from this. We can get real results from this. Um, here's the story. My daughter doesn't like, didn't like asparagus. And I had asparagus one night. I love asparagus, by the way. I know it makes your pee smells bad. Uh, and not to be crude or anything, but every girlfriend I ever had said, she's not, she's not going down on you if you've had asparagus. That's the, I think every woman listening is already aware of that rule. But uh, I like asparagus. And so I was having asparagus. I was hoping she'd eat asparagus. She looked at it. She didn't want it. I said, oh, you don't have to have it. No, I don't have to have it. No, you don't have to have it. I started eating my asparagus. I said, boy, it's a shame, though, that you're not having asparagus. This was a year ago, so she was five. I said, it's, it is a shame, though, that you're not having asparagus. Oh, why's that? Well, I said, you, surely you know what asparagus does to you. I kept eating. She said, no, what, wait, what, wait, what? What does asparagus do to you? Uh, well, I said, it would be inter interesting to you. Um, you, nah, I probably shouldn't even talk about it. She says, no, no, no. <clears throat> What, what does asparagus do to you? I, nothing, nothing. Just forget it. I mean, it it gives you a, a superpower for like two minutes. But besides that, it's, it's not important. I keep eating. Wait, 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 wait. It gives you a superpower. What kind of a superpower? I said, it's not really, you know, it's not that big of a deal. You can't shoot laser beams out of your eyeballs or anything like that. But I said, what it does is that it makes you super intelligent for about two minutes. You can figure things out like nobody else in the world could figure out. I said, watch, I'll show you. I took a bit into a piece of asparagus, chewed it, sat there and I said, yeah, yeah, I can feel it working. Yeah, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. She says, what, what? I said, I just figured out something. The reason why the sun comes up every morning in the same place is because it's going around the earth and so it always comes up on the exact same side that's why it always it comes up for, through that window right there every morning and every night 
if you look out right before it's getting dark you'll see the sun right outside the back window it's because it's going around the earth this way that's amazing that's a, oh, oh what was i just talking about she said you you were just talking about the sun and the earth and the sun going around the earth i really i don't remember that man she gobbled up that asparagus like there was no like like there was an end to asparagus you know <laughs> like it was the last asparagus that we were ever going to get our hands on and she's been eating asparagus ever since and she gobbles up a stick of asparagus and she goes off onto this ramble oh my gosh daddy i just figured something out the reason why pencils work better after you sharpen them is because they've got more lead at the end oh my god honey how'd you figure that out she says i had asparagus and she just whatever you know goofy thing that she can come up with but in that highlights this is a thing that uh, for kids now the way i got that idea was because when i was a kid it was spinach for me now a lot of yins are too young to remember popeye but i loved popeye cartoons and when he would pop that spinach in his mouth and get muscular and strong and turn into like a superhero uh that for me was it i hated spinach i remember hating spinach then i remember pretending to like spinach because of Popeye until I really did like spinach and spinach to this day is one of my favorite foods and I know that asparagus is going to be one of my daughter's favorite foods so just think about how powerful that is just how powerful it is that we can choose how to think about a thing I can choose to look at a, a vegetable and go, oh, oh, God, I hate that vegetable. That I just naturally hate, and I can choose to go, boy, but what, how adventurous is it for me to keep trying that until I begin to like it and develop a taste for it? That's kind of cool. I can choose to think that way. And it has power over me, real power, until then I'm not faking liking it anymore. I really do like it. So I didn't... Fool my daughter. She knew it was a game. She knew I was playing. She simply liked the idea of it so much that she decided on her own that she was going to start liking asparagus. She didn't like asparagus, but she decided that she was going to start liking it. How, how amazing is that? That's pretty amazing. Boy, I got a lot of stuff here that uh, I didn't think that the show was going to go on this long. So we are going to wrap it up here so I can tell the story about my friend Joe. But let's talk about children for just a second, about treating children as people. Think about your kids or think about your nieces and nephews. Think about your friend's kids. When they ask what you're laughing at, we're talking about or looking at do you do you brush the kids off and tell them oh it's nothing it's nothing because you figure they won't understand it or it's over their heads well you do know I hope that their understanding it is not the point did you know that when a kid says hey what are, what are you laughing what are you guys laughing about yeah, it's nothing, it's nothing. Because you think that they won't, it's just going to go right over their heads. 
do you understand that they're understanding what you're laughing about is not the point the point is do you view them as people they may not understand it may go over their heads that's that's just the reality but do you understand how much they will appreciate you stopping and ex- trying to explain it to them anyway what's the message there the message is you matter as much as I do you matter as much as my friend does you might not understand this but because I'm willing to stop and try to explain it to you anyway that is a demonstration of just how much I view you as a real person you're a real person you're a little person but you're a person and you deserve dignity and you deserve attention and you deserve respect and clearly you know you're curious about what this thing is we're laughing at or talking about I'm going to try to explain it to you can't tell you how many things that I've explained to my daughter she says what's what's this all about daddy and I get down on one knee and I say I'm, it's got to do with this and it's got to do with that and it's got to you know it's kind of like this and that and she goes hmm hmm mm. I can see she doesn't understand a single thing I'm talking about but you know what else I can see I can see that she sees she feels valued as a person she appreciates very very much that I stopped and took time that it was important to me that that her question was important to me her wanting to know was important to me that's what matters and um, think about a child like that who grows up with adults treating her like that how they grow up perceiving themselves right when she gets to be an adult what sorts of things will she accept from other people will she view as acceptable and what sorts of things will she not view as acceptable good thing to think about right that's the kind of daughter I want to send out into the world expecting this is what I deserve I'm not going to let a person treat me less than this Um, along that same line when I take her out to a restaurant I don't order her food for her we're sitting there with the menus I say what would what looks good to you what would you like to drink what would you like to order what would you like to eat when the waiter or the waitress comes to the table and says all right you guys ready I'm willing to take your order I say yep we're ready Eloise go ahead I let her order her own food uh, let her order her own drink the waiter doesn't get it through me no I expect the waiter to get it directly from my daughter she's a person she knows what she wants and uh, she and, and that's how I want that to go for the same reasons I don't want her to feel like because she's a child she's less than a person children are people too they need to be treated that way for their own emotional emotionally healthy development and growth they needed to be they need to be treated like that from the beginning not when they get 18 not when they get old enough to do algebra from the very beginning they need to be treated like people like all people 
So that's the show today. I got windy. I had a lot of other things to talk about, but let me tell you this uh, campfire story. I was uh, dating a girl named Donna. She was my, I reckon she was my first kind of real serious girlfriend. And uh, I was friends with her brother, Joe. She lived way north from, of me. And uh, so I'd have to drive all these hours to get up to see her. And because I'd have to drive all these hours up to see her, I was 18 at the time. I'd find somebody to stay with up there. Couldn't stay with her because she still lived with her parents. And they just weren't going to have me, a fox in the hen house, <clears throat> under their roof <laughs> with their daughter. So I made some friends in that area. And, uh, so I'd make arrangements to go and stay with them ahead of time. And usually my visits would last three or four days. On this one occasion, <clears throat> like I said, I'd made good friends with her brother, Joe. And uh, so I had made arrangements ahead of time to some place that we could stay, and Joe was going to stay with me. He said, I found a place we can stay with this other friend of ours named Rich. And I said, great. So I went up, stayed with, uh, picked up, I picked Joe up on my way up there. And then we went over to Rich. I spent some time with my girlfriend, Donna, some kissy kissy, and then went over to uh, Rich's house. Rich says, because you guys are my guests, I'm going to let you sleep in my bed. I'm going to sleep on the floor on a cot. Oh, Joe, you, Rich, we can't take your bed. We can't take your bed. No, no, it's all yours. It's all yours. So Joe and I got to sleep in his bed. Now, here's the strange thing about this. How long has it been since you've seen anybody who had a water bed? Right? I thought those went out in the 70s. Rich had a, a water bed in the mid-90s. And his bed was this great big water bed. What happens when you get into a waterbed is that it, you, you kind of gravitate toward the middle because of the way that the thing works. By the way, they're not comfortable. I don't know why anybody thought waterbeds were a good idea. I don't find them comfortable at all. I, I want something firmer than that. But we got onto this waterbed and um, fell asleep. We were on opposite ends. I'm telling you, we were on opposite ends of the bed when we fell asleep. The next morning, I wake up to Joe saying, dude, this is exactly verbatim what he said to me. Dude, what are you doing? And I I don't wake up very easy. But I remember him saying that, and I was like, huh? And he said it again, a little bit more panicked. Dude, what are you doing? I open my eyes and I I have an arm over him and I'm, I have pulled him close to me and I'm gently kissing him on the back of the neck and I open my eyes and I realize I'm kissing my buddy Joe on the back of the neck and I flipped out of the bed kind of like um, you guys ever see <clears throat> the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with uh Oh, John Candy and Stephen, Steve Martin. 
there's a scene in the movie like that. That's exactly what happened to me. So next time you see that movie and you think, oh man, that's so funny, but that would never happen in real life. It did happen. It happened to me. And what I was dreaming about, I was dreaming about Joe's sister. And I remember the dream. I was with her and I was kissing her tenderly. And I mean, I was just a horned dog over, over his sister. And in the dream, I was embracing her and I was smooching her and we were saying lovey-dovey things to each other. And I woke up to Joe saying, dude, what are you doing? And I opened my eyes and there I am kissing him. Oh, oh. I'll tell you, it, it was horrifying. It was horrifying. And you should have seen us jump out of the bed we we leapt out of that bed in two opposite directions just about bounced off the wall like spider-man it was that disturbing for us and um, i thought man that's going to be the end of me <laughs> uh clearly it wasn't the end of me but also clearly i didn't end up with donna <laughs> I think she broke up with me about three months later. But anyway, that's my story about kissing Joe. <laughs> Planes, trains, and automobiles, ladies and gentlemen, with uh, John Candy and Steve Martin. Exactly that. That was a real thing that played out in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you sticking around with me today and uh, hope you do something nice for yourselves this weekend. Hope you, I hope you're enjoying these videos that you can now watch on uh, YouTube and Rumble. If you have a solution for me for how I can play the intro and outro music uh, for the show, along with the uh, the audio of the uh, pre-recorded disclaimer, uh, send me an email at uh, brianbarnett at thelastsymptom.com or, you know, if you're a member uh, of our Last Symptom community on Locals, thelastsymptom.locals.com you can tell me about it there uh, probably the easiest way to do it so I'm looking forward to seeing what suggestions you guys have uh, if I can't make that work then I'll just continue to uh, record the show the same way I do and then uh, just post these as, as I'm doing currently but you know it'd be really nice I think to record the show live and to have live interactions with many of you on Wednesday nights. So if we can figure out a way to do it, I would love to do it that way. You let me know. Until we talk next week, you guys take care of yourselves, all right? Mm -hmm.